be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Are you thankful for everything God's doing right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I'm thankful for everything that God is doing thus far this morning. But I am also thankful that he's got more. Amen. Are you thankful for more? He's a God that never sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get worn out. He, uh, we've brought to him needs all morning. We've, uh, we've already had an altar call this morning. God's already moved, and he has yet to break a sweat. Amen. 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 God is just getting started. Praise God. I, I'm thankful to be here this morning. It's truly a, a humbling opportunity that I don't take lightly. Um, it's truly a blessing to uh, stand behind the pulpit of such a great, wonderful man of God. Uh, Brother Boone, I've, we've only met a handful of times. We've spoken a little bit. Um, but I, I, I knew, I had the privilege to know uh, Elder and Sister Boone for about the last three years of my life. I minister at the church uh, quite a bit where they attended, and um, just wonderful, wonderful people. They've uh, to sit there and look in the back and see uh, that giant of a couple of the faith there. Uh, there was never a service I can recall where I did not see them weep in tears and uh, and worship God and 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 work in the altar and uh, just. They practice what they preached. Amen. And I give honor to Pastor Boone this morning for, for having us. I'm thankful to have my wife, Brianna, here this morning, my son, Joseph. Amen. Uh, I guess she's in the nursery. I'm thankful for the nursery ministry. Amen. They're, you're well needed. Not only are you needed, you're very wanted. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I do feel direction from the Lord. I'm thankful for that. Uh, we'll be reading out of the book of Genesis chapter 25. Amen. And we'll go to verse, 30, verse 24. Genesis 25 and verse 24. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. What a wonderful presence of the Lord here this morning. Amen. If you have it, say amen. amen. Praise God. Verse 24. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like an hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. His name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew. And Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Verse 28, I, I like this verse. And Esau loved, and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. 
but Rebecca loved Jacob. I've always found it interesting that it gives us the reason why Isaac loved Esau. Because you're able to do this, because you have certain abilities, because you meet certain expectations, I, I love you, but it doesn't give us any reason at all that why Rebecca loves Jacob. And uh, sometimes I don't know if I give God any reasons to love me, but yet he still loves me unconditionally. Amen. Verse 29, And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field. Watch this. And he was faint. Everyone say faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. I don't feel like I can go any further. I feel like this is the end. What profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. In the last verse, Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright. Praise God. With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to preach to you trading the eternal for the temporal. Trading eternal things for temporary things. Amen. Would you lay your Bibles down this morning? Let's lift up our hands to the Lord and ask God to have His perfect will in this house. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. I ask that You would let it break us let it shape us and let it mold us, God, that you would have your perfect will in this house this morning, God. And, Lord, you would open the floodgates of heaven. You'll begin to minister this morning, begin to, uh, begin to renew, begin to restore, begin to deliver, oh God. If, if we break through, God, I trust that you will break forth in this place, Lord. And, and God, I ask that you would help us to decrease so that you can increase, oh God, and that you would place your words into my mouth. Amen, oh God. I pray that you anoint my lips of clay this morning, Jesus, to preach your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. You may be seated this morning if you'd like. Amen. I, I'm going to remain standing if that's okay. Amen. I have yet to preach sitting down, Pastor. I'm... Uh, <laughs> Amen. Amen. I trust that. Hallelujah. It is one of the most difficult and enduring attacks that we all face and deal with every day of our lives. Uh, we are all struggling, if you will, or battling in that never-ending struggle between the eternal and the temporal. We're all fighting the spiritual and the carnal. Amen. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, to love not the world and neither the things that are in the world. And if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Watch this. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And 
He goes on to say, The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The Bible also tells us that our adversary's objective is to steal, kill, and destroy. But in the same breath, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. It's, it's not just that you're supposed to struggle your whole life. You're, you're not supposed to barely be getting through this thing. You're not supposed to just have one foot in the grave all the time. But he said, even here in this earth, in this time, you're supposed to live it abundantly. Amen. Praise God. And Satan's greatest deception, church, is to cause us to turn away from that abundant life and to embrace the temporary gratifications of this world. Our adversary's ultimate ambition is to cause us to uh, trade our eternal salvation for the temporary things of this world. And, and I don't find it accidental. I don't believe it's arbitrary that uh, we find this motive, we find this deception. At, at the very beginning of the whole thing, the God, Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. And, uh, and then He created man and He created woman. He placed them in the Garden of Eden. And uh, He tells them uh, in chapter 2 and verse 16 of the book of Genesis the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die and it's in the next, ver the next chapter the third chapter of the beginning of the whole thing does the adversary come on the scene and we find this deception. He, he asks the woman, he says, Doth God say that ye shall need a, not eat of every tree of the garden? And she says, uh, We can eat of all the trees except for that one, and uh, nor can we touch it, she says. And uh, here's, here's the deception in verse 4. He says, Ye shall not surely die. You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened and you shall be as gods. He, he deceived her. He said, you're not going to die. God just simply doesn't want you to eat it because you're going to become like him. God doesn't want you to eat it because then you'll be as strong as he is. Then, then you won't have to be in subjection underneath him. You'll, you'll be like gods and and I cannot tell you how long they were in the garden. I, I can't tell you how many times they walked past that tree that was in the mist. Uh, I can't tell you how many times they looked at that tree as they walked past it. But it was not until after this occurrence. It was not until after this conversation with the enemy. Watch this in verse 6. The Bible says the woman saw that the tree was good for food that which the lust of the flesh and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, which is the pride of life. It was not until after her conversation with the enemy was she willing to trade the eternal for the temporal. It was not until after her conversation with the adversary was she willing to trade her eternal walk with God for the forbidden fruit, for something that would only last for a few moments. Uh, can I tell you here this morning, church, that you must be careful to the voices that you let speak into your life. Uh, you need to be careful to who 
who you let walk among you. You need to be careful for who you let influencing your life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We must... Church, I don't have to do this, I know, but I'm telling you, I have never spoken to this man about what I have been preaching to you. God is talking to our heart, and for God's sake, please hear the voice of God if you've ever listened. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We must be careful with what we let our eyes dwell upon. Because what your eyes dwell upon is what your mind will focus on. The eyes are the gates to the soul. And psychiatrists have even verified that 90% of your thought life is stimulated by what you see. In other words, what you let your eyes look at and what you let your eyes focus on is what's going to seep into your soul and then your mind will be captivated with that. And uh, I'm not preaching against temptation this morning. Temptation is not a sin. That was a revelation for me. Just because you're being tempted does not mean you're sinning. Because even Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh, was tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. But it's when you let that temptation turn into lust. It's when you begin be lusting after what you were once tempted of. That lust is what gives birth to sin. That lust is what conceives sin. Praise God. It was not until Eve saw the forbidden fruit that she focused on it, began to think about it, began to dwell upon it. Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it tastes real good. Maybe the serpent is right and God is wrong. It was not until Esau saw the pot of stew was he willing to trade his eternal birthright for a pot of stew. It was not until King David, a man called after God's own heart, did he see Bathsheba baby than on a rooftop when he should have turned around and went back inside but he was so captivated by what he saw and, and that lust turned into adultery and eventually became murder Samson had to lose his eyes to begin to live better Lord if you must take your eyes from me if you must do what you will with me God you're the potter and I'm the clay break me down into a particle of dust uh, if you must to uh, have your will in my life uh, I picture uh, I picture Sodom and Gomorrah I see Lot and his family I see God's mercy on them I see God's grace extended to them because of his friend Abraham and I see them pulling them out of this wicked world I see them angels pulling them out of this miry clay out of this darkness but can I tell you when they were walking out they said don't look back to what we're pulling you out of don't go back to that wicked world but Lot's wife was so captivated you see by the temporary she was so wrapped up by the things of this world as she was running away from it she could probably hear the gnashing of teeth she could probably see the fire and the brimstone falling from the sky but she said what's one more look going to hurt what's one more bite going to be how much is one more second going to be a waste and as she turned around she became a pillar of salt because here's the principle there will come a time when one more was too much 
There will come a time when one more was too much. Esau had something of eternal value. But he was faint, you see. This is this. This is the key. He felt like he couldn't go any longer. He felt like this was the end. What profit will this eternity do me if I'm about to die right now? What profit will this birthright do to me right now? Can I tell you, Esau lost his birthright because his God was his flesh. Oh, what a tragedy it is when our hearts walk after the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Uh, well, I don't have a glutton problem like Esau. I, I don't have a problem with food, but can I tell you, anything that you're willing to put before God is your God. Anything that stands between you and your prayer life uh, will become your God. Anything that stands between you and an altar that you're willing to stay at home from church from, that is your God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. All throughout the world we've read and you can hear about people that's, uh, they've, they've uh, boasted about selling their souls to the devil. Or in exchange of uh, wealth and, and power and prestige and position. If, if I can just get anything in this world. And can I tell you, Satan will uh, hear me this morning when I tell you Satan Whatever he gives you, he will take back. He'll give it to you. What you whatever your flesh desires, he'll, he'll, he'll hang that fruit over your face and say, here you are. But what he's not going to tell you, it's going to cost you something. Praise God. The Bible says that Esau was coming out of the field and he was faint. Which means he's weak. It means I'm tired. I'm, I'm feeble right now. I'm frail. I'm exhausted, right? This is not just your normal tired. This is, I'm, I'm to the point of death. He says, I'm at the point to die. And uh, he was looking for strength in all the wrong places because Paul had the revelation when he said, I glory in my infirmities for I've learned that when I'm weak, uh, I am strong because God told me that my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He was looking for strength in all the wrong places. He says, I'm at the point to die. I don't believe it's God's will for us to get to this place where we're in a pit that we feel we cannot get out of. I know there's going to be valleys. I know there's going to be mountains. Don't listen to me if I tell you every day is going to be a Friday. Sometimes God uses the struggle to teach you something. Sometimes God uses the storm to bring you a revelation. Sometimes that giant's there for a purpose. Uh, but can I tell you, it's never God's will for you to feel like you're not going any further. It's never God's will for you to feel like this is the end. Because the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and uh, verse 9, let us not uh, be weary in well-doing. Uh, don't get tired of doing the right thing. Uh, for in due season, uh, ye shall reap if, uh, if if we faint not. In other words, if you just hold on and you keep pushing it, don't stop. Don't quit praying. Don't go back home. Don't stop going to church. He said there's a promise with your name on it. There's provision with your name on it. There's a miracle on your horizon. But you've got to hold on. You've got to stay and endure. Those that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. 
That word endure means it's going to be a little difficult. Amen. Amen. The question remains, how do we not become faint? How do we resist this? And I bring you to the book of Matthew. And uh, Matthew 14, Jesus hears about the uh, the death of John the Baptist, pastor, and and he loved this man, so he goes off into a desert place to, uh, to, to be alone. But yet the multitude followed him. And, and then the disciples come and say, hey, uh, it's drawing dark. The, the, the evening is nigh, and we need to send the multitude away so they can go get victuals into the village. Uh, they need to go get something to eat because they're hungry. But Jesus said, send them ye not. Uh, they need not depart, give them ye to eat. In other words, he said, don't let them leave my presence hungry. I wonder why Jesus said that. And then I, I immediately in the next chapter, Jesus has the multitude again that he gets ready to feed Jesus in 1532. Watch this. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And watch this. I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. I don't want my people to leave my presence hungry. Is that word fat, faint not the same word that Esau used? In other words, Jesus was saying, I don't want my people to become like Esau. I don't want my people to become faint because I know sin lieth at the door. I know that the adversary is waiting like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So here's a revelation. Every time you come into the house of God, every time you hit the word, every time you hit your knees in prayer, it's God's will that you don't leave empty but full. It's God's will that you leave full of everything. It's God's will that you leave full of his spirit, of every provision that's going to get you out throughout your day. It's not God's will for you to struggle through this thing. It's not God's will for you to struggle between coming to church or not. It's not God's will for you to sit and weep in sorrow at night. But he said, it's my will that you leave my presence full. I wish you'd get that revelation this morning. God wants you to leave this house full. He says you don't have to walk out the same way you came. Maybe at a football game, you may be leaving with your head down. Maybe at halftime, you may be biting your nails. But when you're with me in my kingdom, victory is sure. Victory is certain. I'm not nervous. I'm not scared. And I'm not disappointed. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now here it is, watch this. They were with him for three days. Which means the first day, I'm getting a little hungry. Uh, the second day, I'm starving. My flesh is hungry. 
Maybe I hear they've got a, a deal going on at the local cafe in the village back out there. Maybe we can leave, brother, and we can go get something to eat. We, uh, Jesus should have fed us by now. I should have gotten my miracle by now. I should have gotten my prayer answered by now. So we go back into the world trying to find satisfaction that we never found in the first place. But can I tell you something? If they would have left on the second day, they would have been one day away from their miracle miracle and some of you are struggling this morning some of you are ready to give up this morning but what if I told you you may be one day away from your miracle you may be one altar call away from receiving everything you may be one prayer service away from seeing your lost loved ones run to these altars you may be one worship service away from seeing everything Uh, hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah. Because sometimes in your walk with God, you've got to learn to wait on the Lord. Because they that wait upon the Lord shall, not maybe, renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Come on, I'm saying if you just learn to wait, if you just learn to hold on, if you just learn to endure a little bit, you've got to learn to tarry. You're going to mount up with wings as eagles. You're going to learn to mount up with wings as eagles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. When you learn to wait on him. But Satan says, I'll give it to you right now. But it's going to last you just a few moments. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is one of the most powerful verses to me. It's a personal revelation of mine. Uh, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Well, pastor, I'm dealing with something unique. Uh, This is a little harder than me. This is bigger than me. You you don't understand. No, no, no. That's a lie of the devil. What you're dealing with, somebody has won victory over before. What you're dealing with, God has dealt with before. Watch this, but God is faithful. I, I know uh, people that you, people say, well, you can count on me and I'll never stab you in the back. I, I, you can call me anytime you want, but yet when you need them the most, you don't find them there. You don't see them there. But can I tell you, when God says he's faithful, you can take that to the bank. When God says he's faithful, I'm never going to leave you astray. I'm going to lead you to the still waters. When things get tough, I'm not jumping to another ship. When the storm arises, you won't find me running away because I'm faithful. Watch this. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. The old adage is if God will bring you to it, he'll bring you through it. But here's a revelation that the Lord gave me and 
uh, judging from this scripture here, uh, judging from this scripture here, uh, it's easy for us to say we have faith in God because you wouldn't be here if you didn't. We all have a certain amount of measure of faith, Paul says in, uh, in, the, in Romans. And, and uh, we all have faith in God, but can I tell you, judging from this scripture, if you're going through something, if you're struggling through something, if you're dealing with a giant in your life, uh, can I tell you, judging from this scripture, God revealed to me, not only do you have faith in me, but I've got faith in you. Not only do you believe in me, but I believe in you. And I don't know what it does for you. That's easy for my parents to say I believe in you. It's easy for my friends to say I believe in you. But I get a little excited when God says, I have faith in you, Justin. I believe in you, Justin. Come on, somebody. He said that storm is not there to bring you down. You see that you 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 think that that God brought you think the enemy brought that storm into your life uh, to bring you down, but God said I allowed that storm to bring you up. Uh, you think the you think the enemy allowed, brought that giant into your life uh, to defeat you, but God said I allowed that giant uh, to bring you victory. Uh, you're not hearing me right now. I said the children of Israel were hiding uh, in the mountains from one giant. Uh, they were afraid of Goliath uh, because they thought that the enemy had brought that giant to defeat them but God said I allowed that giant to bring you victory because in your struggle in your storm I'm cultivating something out of you I'm provoking something out of you I'm bringing out more anointing I'm showing you that you're stronger than you think you are I'm showing you you've got more power than you think you are I'm using the storm to bring something out. I'm using the struggle to bring something out because I'm telling you I believe in you. Hallelujah. So if you're dealing with something this morning that's tough, that's hard, it's unbearable, uh, I would say you're a blessed man and woman of God because the greater temptation that you're going through, the greater struggle that you're going through, the more faith that God has in you. I said, the more faith he has in you. Your struggle's not just a sign of weakness. It's a result of God's faith. I would not have allowed it if I didn't think you can conquer it. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our flesh and Satan have some things in common. And if we let them, they will become best friends. Because they both know they are only temporary. They have a certain allotted amount of time on this earth. And and the temporary says, I want all the gratification I can get right now. I want all the satisfaction I can garner right now. And Satan says, oh, I've got that in common with you. I want to drag as many to hell as I can with me. So let's just link link up together. Let's become best friends. Here's my offer. Trade me the eternal and I'll give you the temporal. Give me your, trade your salvation and I'll give you the temporary. And the Lord in his abundant mercy and grace looked down on us and said, I'm not satisfied with that. 
You don't have to settle with that, Justin, because I've got a greater offer on the table. Why don't you give me your temporal and I'll give you the eternal? Why don't you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service? Why don't you be born again of the water and of the Spirit, without which no man can enter into the kingdom of God? Why don't you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Why don't you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for the remission of your sins? Uh, if you give me the temporal, I'll give you the eternal. If you live for me in your temporary body on this earth, there's a reward waiting for you. You don't have to settle for what you've got right now. Jesus we said, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to temptation. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. We must be baptized in the name of Jesus. We must be filled with the Holy Ghost for the evidence of speaking in tongues. We must live a life of holiness. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. In other words, if it's not holy, it's not acceptable. It's, it's, it, what I'm talking to you about, preaching to you this morning, is not a collective thing. It's, it's an individual thing. It's, it's your decision. You have your decision to make. I, I can't do it for you. Pastor can't do it for you. Your, your parents can't do it for you. Yeah. And it's easy to say in this atmosphere, I, I want the eternal. I want God. But can I tell you, when you're standing in the shoes of Esau and you're becoming faint and, and you're getting tired and weary, will you be able to say, no, Satan, I don't want that? I don't want that temporary stuff. Uh, I'm not interested in the forbidden fruit uh, because I've got something of eternal value. Uh, and you may never understand it, Satan, uh, but it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Uh, I don't need a pretty sermon that's just going to tickle my ears. Uh, I want the Word of God. Give me something with some truth in it. Uh, give me something with some meat in it. Uh, give me something that's going to get me through uh, my lowest valley. Give me something that's going to get me through uh, my darkest day. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. Watch this, Paul writing, church in Corinth, powerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. I'm confused, pastor, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. I'm cast down. But I'm not destroyed. Sounds like a contradiction. How are you able to say this, Paul? How are you in this state, Paul? How do you become to be able to get to the place uh, where you can say those things? In verse 16, he gives us the answer. Watch this. For which cause we faint not. This is why I don't quit. This is why I don't give up. 
But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I may be dying on the outside, but I'm more alive than I've ever been on the inside. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Watch this. Here's the answer, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul simply said, I don't focus on my struggle. I don't focus on the forbidden fruit. I keep my eyes on Jesus. I lift my eyes upon the hills. The enemy wants you to focus on your struggle. He wants you to focus on your dilemma. He wants you to focus on your frustration. But God says, just keep your eyes on me. I'm not just the bright and morning star, but he said, hey, there's a lily in your valley. Musicians, if you will come, I'm coming to a close. Or if you don't feel the need, you don't have to. I told Pastor uh, when we spoke on the phone that, you know, I I don't have a pedigree in uh, in preaching. My father's not in church. My mother, she goes, she struggles. But uh, I just have a praying grandmother. So I'm thankful for that. Majority of, there's a good portion of my family that struggle with addiction, mostly pills, and there's, there's alcohol, there's gambling. I've seen the, the greatest of men give in and fall and become the weakest of men because of these things. I watched it my whole life growing up. And uh, I knew a man that uh, was raised in church. I knew a man at a young age received the Holy Ghost and, and he was baptized in the name of Jesus. And, and uh, I knew this man when he backslid in his teenage years and uh, fell into a world of drugs and he began to use and abuse drugs and he, his life, his, 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 how he became, uh, how he derived his income was he sold drugs and pills and, uh, and, and this is, was, he was in and out of uh, prison his whole life and, and that last time I remember he finally, uh, it was once too much, he was in prison for 25 years to life because of the life that he lived of putting the temporal before the eternal and I, I say I know this man because he was my family, he was my blood and uh, his family had written him off. His children, he had three children. They wanted nothing to do with him. And, and while he was sitting in prison, I felt the urge of God to write him. And we would write back and forth, just sending him hope, letting him know I'm praying for him. And the last letter that he wrote me, he, he, he wrote me a poem. He was good at poems. He wrote me a poem. And, and I want to read this to you if you'll have me this morning. Uh, out of a, a man that knows what I'm preaching about, a man that's lived what I'm preaching about, he simply says this, I let myself down without a doubt, drinking and drugging like a water spout. 
I could not see where my life was going, but my pain and fear were steadily growing. I got to the point I did not care, and all of my money went up in the air. There's many a day I thought I would die, living my life lie after lie. To be an addict, there is no fun. Being chased by a drug, always on the run. There's no place to go when the devil's your ride. When you're with those friends and getting high. You'll awake one day, those friends will be gone. But the devil's hook will still hang on. I have learned some things being in jail. Looking at my life from this little cell. Watch this. What the devil gives, he always takes back. But I thank God he takes up our slack. I called on him, he set me free. He gave me salvation and promised eternity. He told me every promise I will keep. If you follow me, your path won't be too steep. He cleansed my soul from all unclean. He gave me love I have never seen. If you are out there, just call on Jesus' name because there's no future in Satan's game. He died a year later after writing that poem. Stage four colon cancer. <clears throat> but let me show you how the Lord works in his abundant mercy and grace. God saw fit that this man would be released from prison the last two to three months of his life. He was reconciled again with his children. They spent Thanksgiving together in 2018. They spent Thanksgiving together and my family gathered around him to pray two weeks before his death. And uh, I'm originally from Louisiana, but I, I abide in Odessa now. But my, I got a phone call from my mother, and they said that Tony received the gift of the Holy Ghost in that prayer meeting. I say all that to say this. My wife and I attended his funeral and there was tears in my eyes. But they were not tears of sorrow. They were tears of joy. I wasn't crying about what he did his whole life. I was crying about what he did at the end when he traded the temporal for the eternal. Would you stand with me here this morning, church? Well, I wonder if you would just be willing to bow your head with me this morning. Close your eyes. I want you to picture something. This is the most serious thing you'll ever do.